Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Out in the cold, out in the dark, something's lurking at the edge of the park. People be warned, people beware, there's a storm on the rise and it's covered in hair. Hear him cry, hear him howl, looking for someone to disembowel. Claws like a hook, eyes like coal, feet so big they're gonna crush your soul. They call him Sasquatch. Hello, my friends. This is Yowie Central. Welcome to the show. I'm Sarah. If you've seen a Yowie and you want to get it off your chest, or you've had an encounter with some other weird cryptid creature, or you've got spirits and aliens hanging around, or anything else kooky and spooky, get in touch with me at yowiecentral at gmail.com or via the Yowie Central Facebook group. Due to an email hosting issue that I'm working on fixing at the moment, um, the new email that I had, which was sarah at yaoicentral.com, isn't active at the moment, so make sure to use the Gmail one for now. The new one will be back up and running shortly, but I just need to fix a few hosting issues first. And don't forget, the more we talk about this subject, the more we normalise it for everyone. And hopefully the less stigma will be attached to it and the less ridicule people will face when they talk about their experiences. So get in touch with me if you've got a story to share. We welcome the man, the myth, the thong-loving legend, Yowie Dan, back to the show this week. For those who don't know Dan, he is a dedicated, long-time Yowie researcher based in New South Wales. He had his first Yowie encounter at Appen Greyhound Racing Track in 2005 and his first sighting of a hairy man, which was actually a Junjadi, in 2013 in Glenbrook in New South Wales. He has a YouTube channel called Australian Yowie, which I highly recommend you check out. And you've probably seen him in the excellent Australian Yowie documentary track, 
and in Cade Moyer's cryptid coffee ad. If you haven't seen that, you've definitely got to catch it. He's hilarious. So this week, Dan gives us an update on his latest research adventures with his research buddy, Attila Kaldi, documentary maker and director of Track. We're talking orbs and ghosts and yaoi vocalisations and the importance of eliminating natural causes when weighing evidence. Just so you know, towards the end of our chat, there's a strange reverb effect that started coming in. I've no idea what it is or why it started you know, at around the 55-minute mark of our interview. I wish I was a sound engineer sometimes, but I'm not. So anyway, I just thought I'd let you know about that first. So let's get into it. Here's Yowie Dan. Let's get onto the subject of Yowies. I'm dying to hear an update from you on what you've been doing since I last spoke to you. I mean, last time you were on the show was, I don't know, a uh, couple of years ago almost. I think it was like 2019. It was yes. COVID. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So you've been out and about. You've been doing some filming on a documentary. You've been researching. You've recorded some incredible vocalisations and got some amazing um, Junjadi handcast and all sorts of things. So... I'm dying to hear. I'm dying to hear what you've been doing. What have you been up to? Basically, most of the last two years, because of COVID and the lockdowns and all that, we on a, when we were like we're available, we're able to go out. Um, we were filming for tracking the law. Um, Attila Coldy's uh, second uh, documentary about the Yowie after uh, Track Search for Australia's Bigfoot come out um, at the end of 2019. Some interesting things um, have been filmed during that time. And he's gone along a, like a different angle, I would say, than just going out with researchers like the first one, like myself. And then there was the guys up at... Um, uh, the two Robs up the uh, up the top of New South Wales and and other people. So it's more he has done a bit of a indigenous aspect and their beliefs about the Yowie as well. So it's not just researchers like myself in the first one. So, but because we had the bushfires and the floods and then then COVID and it's just taken like two years to film. Yeah, it's just it's been a long journey, but a really enjoyable one. And uh, yeah, so we just some of the things that happened along the way and along the journey, uh, it's really opened my eyes and made me appreciate things a lot more and have a bit more of a um, less skeptical view on some things out there that I thought maybe were, you know, a bit of bullshit. <laughs> but <laughs> after some things happened to me in the bush, I was just like, all right, uh, I'm going to have to take a bit more notice of some things other than just worrying about researching yaoi's while I'm out there. So, no, like what? Yeah. Like, are you talking about paranormal activity? Yeah. Well, look, uh, we did see ball lightning out in the Blue Mountains. It just come out of the bush, um, and Attila and myself saw it. Well, I was actually uh, I, first off, we we're, were out there filming for. Uh, track search for Australia's Bigfoot. That was during the first one. And we're out in a location in the Blue Mountains and I'd seen like the bush light up like it was daytime. And I was like, 
is there a car coming down? Because we're right near the, the, the dirt road where the cars drive in and we're a few kilometres in. You're probably saying seven or eight kilometres in from the main highway. So it was pretty quiet. You couldn't hear anything else but us just sitting there having a coffee, thinking, what are we going to do next? And, you know, it was a bit quiet that night. Anyway, uh, I seen that the bush light up and then I stood there for another 20 minutes just saying there's something there. And like, I don't know why I did not put my camera on night vision and just sit it on my bonnet and point it up the road, but I didn't do it. And then all of a sudden this big ball lightning just comes out of the bush about as big as a beach ball, you know, the ones you see that people blow up and hit around a cricket ground in, 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 in the crowd. And, you know, and then I'm like, what the hell is that? And Attila just does his big leap and he looks up there. Next minute, it just like blew up and just a whole place lit up like daytime for a split second and it was gone. So that was the first thing that we saw. So how do you but, know it was ball lightning and not, well, you know, min min light or an, an orb that so many people report? Well, orb, min min, ball lightning, I'm not sure. Like I just said a ball lightning because it was like it just it could have been min min light or it could have been some sort of static electricity or something. I don't know. There's no power lines or anything there. There was no storm activity that night it was crystal clear and it was just this big like and like it was like and like it had flames in the middle of it with a red ring around it it was really weird it was just come out of the yeah. blue and you know i waited there for 20 minutes on the road just looking staring up the road going there's something there i'm gonna wait and see if something happens and it did so what? yeah what <laughs> what do you mean <laughs> you, you had a feeling that that something was well, going to happen and then then this this huge orb ball lightning, whatever it is, appeared. Yeah, yeah, you can ask Attila. I, I said to him, <laughs> the bushes lit up like daytime. It was like the sun appeared for about three seconds and lit one area of the bush up and it wasn't didn't look like like a, a headlight from a car, didn't look like a torch. It was and I'm like, that's weird. And I just stood there and like I said, for a split second I thought, I take my camera, put on night vision and put on a bonnet, but I don't know why. I, I, after that, I said, anything I think is going to happen, I'll just turn it on and let it run. And I just stood there. And for 20 minutes, I just stood on the road and stood there while they were having a coffee. And then all of a sudden, it appeared after about 20 minutes. So I didn't know what I was ex- going to expect. I just thought, why is the bush lighting up like it's daytime uh, in the middle? Like This is like midnight. Yeah, how yeah. Biz- how bizarre! And and it was a clear night, no storms. Clear night, no storms. There, there, there was look, there was storm activity, but you could see the flashes coming from like Wollongong. Right. And I don't think right. that would make this happen from that far away. So there's and, a big distance between Blue Mountains and Wollongong. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And do you think it might have been uh, UFO related? Did you notice any other? Any other craft or any other noise or anything like that? Nah, that was the only thing that happened. And pretty much, yeah, we weren't looking up into the sky, uh, even though, like, uh, yeah, no, there's nothing else. that It was just out of the blue, just turned up. It must have been hovering around in that area somewhere to make the bush light up like it did before I saw it. And then well, it's come out of the that, bush. That's the weird part. Like I, I'm, I'm not a full bottle on how ball lightning works and how the, you know, how the physics physics of it work. But the fact that the the bush had lit up and it was some time before you actually saw the ball itself, it yeah. seems it doesn't sound like normal, like plain old weather to me. I know. I'm funny. That's the first time I've seen it. Um, I've heard of mid min lights and people seeing it in certain areas in Australia, but I never thought I'd see it up there. And 
yeah, I just yeah, it was just something that yeah happened out of the blue, and I, I'm just like I I want to see it again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was so it was about the size of a beach ball and yeah. orangey red, like it had flames in the middle in the middle it of looked it. Looked like yeah, because look, you're looking at about oh, I reckon about 80, 90 meters away. And it was pitch black there. There's no lights, nothing. It was really dark, so it really shone out real bright. And it was, looked like it had flames or something. And then around the outside was a red ring, like the outside was red. And Attila saw it for probably half as long as I did because it was about a metre off the ground and it kind of went out of the bush and it went probably about three metres across the road and it got nearly about three quarters away across the, 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 the road there, the dirt road. And, and then it just kind of blew up, no noise, and it just lit everything up in a, for a split second like it was daytime, everything. I mean, I tell her to myself, I'm like, what did you see? What did you see? This is all I saw. <laughs> That's what I saw. And then we went running up. So we go bolting up to the air, and Attila's got the camera, and he's filming as, you know, the professional cameraman do. And he's like, what did you see? What did you see? And I'm like, no, I just – I didn't know what I saw. And, and I, I was just – yeah, I couldn't explain it for a while because I was like – what did I see? Did I see that? I was just, yeah, it was really weird. Um, so they're the things that we've, we've seen, things like that. Well, we have, we were down in a valley in another area in the Blue Mountains and we'd, we'd done filming and it was about one o'clock in the morning or something like that. And we were supposed to camp and I come in um, for the second night. I, this first day, my son had an AFL grand final and um, they won that, so I stayed and didn't come in until the next day. So the boys were there for the first night, and they'd heard, like, weird, like, um, like a, a girl screaming or some sort of weird female, you know, not a weird female, but a female making a weird noise, but there was no one camping around in that area. And they said it was coming from, like, in the valley somewhere, and they were a bit spooked out. And so the next day when I've come along, um, I had, didn't even set up my tent or anything. I've hiked in. We've done the filming in the valley. We've come back to our gear and we thought, oh, we'll start a fire. Uh, I'll sit down in, in the chair and just have a bit of drink of water and that while we're going to start the fire. And, it, you know, it's pitch black. And we're probably about 20 metres from the trail. It's like a little camp area there. And all of a sudden I'm facing towards the west and the boys are facing opposite. They're looking at me. Um, and... And then probably about a couple of minutes after we started just talking and relaxing and sitting down, then it was like a like a white kind of I know it was like an entity. It's like a shape. I couldn't. It was didn't really have a shape to it. It was like a big, bright kind of like a. It looked like it was like a ghost kind of like a paranormal ghost kind of like a figure, and it went flying along about five meters above the trail, and it was just shot along the trail really quick. It was pretty. It was probably about a metre to two metres, like the, how, how high it was, but it was about five metres in the air. I probably got a good three or four seconds look at it, and I nearly fell off my chair going, what the hell is that? And the boys could see the light emanating off it over their shoulders, and they've turned around, and they, I'm, they're going, what did you see? And I'm nearly falling back on the chair going, it was like a big ghost just went flying through the sky. Right. Through the bush, and I'm like what the hell's going on here? And they're going, no, no, that's it. We're not staying. We're going. And I'm like, come on, man. I've hiked in and brought all my gear and I'm not even going to use my tent. So we, we – So what, hang on, right? before you move on, so what did it look like? So is it – It was it was like – you know, you know um, in Ghostbusters, you know the first ghost they see that's 
in the library. It's like a lady hovering. Oh yes, and she's yes. she's all what it was similar to that. Like the brightness of the of the of the like how it was. There was a shape to it, but before I could kind of focus on what exactly it was, uh, just it was gone. But it probably travelled a good probably five to eight metres along the trail and it was going quick too. Like it was going a few kilometres an hour. Like it was just, as soon as I saw it, it was like, oh, go on. And I was like, what the hell? I just, and it lit everything up, but it was different. It wasn't like a ball lightning. It was like, it was a ghost or something paranormal. Really weird. That, that night, because we hiked out along the trail to go out and the same night, one of the um, the other guys, they said they heard someone call their name and they said, did you call my name? And we're like, no. And then I'm like, you must be hearing things, you know. And they go, well, you've seen a ghost and we've heard some weird screams and, you know. So anyway, we're walking along the trail and uh, I'm probably about 10 metres in front of the other boys because I think one of them had to do the shoelace up and they were just chatting. So we're walking out in the dark and usually when we walk out, we don't even put our torches on, but I did have it on. The head torch on this occasion and the um the, the trail was getting a bit boggy so i didn't want to fall over in it so as i'm walking along something on the left hand side of the ridge a bit higher up where there's like a lot of fallen trees and 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 it just went watch out like a big strong male voice yeah right said, and uh in this area there's been a lot of mining and there would have been a lot of people back in the 1870s when this part was mined for um, kerosene shale, uh, there, there probably would have been people that died down there being way back in the day. There wasn't much, you know, OHS, no occupational health and safety back then. <laughs> they um, didn't even have safety thongs. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, no, you've got to have your thongs on, otherwise you're not safe. So. <laughs> so, but, um, yeah, so that was all in one day. Oh, my and God. Then, and then that wasn't the last of it for that day. So we, we get to the down the bottom of the trail that you hike up to get out. So we get out, we hike up to the top and I'm kind of waiting about three quarters of the way up and I'm just enjoying the view of the valley in the dark, you know, blue mountains in the dark sometimes. But it, I'm not sure. I don't think it was a full moon. I think it was like a half moon, but it was still pretty light. And I was just enjoying things and I just seen this like white light, like flying around in the sky down, like coming from the south. And I'm just sitting there looking and Attila and, and you know, whoever else was was, was with us, you know, turned up probably five, ten minutes after I was there. I was a bit quicker than them. I think my gear was a bit lighter. Attila's probably got it. He's got like 30 kilos worth of batteries and everything in there. So <laughs> right. the amount of gear that he carries is unbelievable. And, uh, yes, yeah, so I get in. I'm like, oh, you know, what's this white light up there? And he's like, oh, that's the UFO base. And I'm like, what? UFO base? And every time we've come out of that same valley to look to the south, them white lights have been flying around in the sky down that area. And you can see them going down into the bush and then they come back up. And when I've looked at it in the map, there's nowhere where someone can go there. And it's not a drone. These things have got a bit of size about them. They're really white lights, really bright white. And we've seen two of them. And you can see them go through into the bush and fly through the, like, the top of the trees. And you can, they're kind of flickering. And then they come back up again and start doing circles and everything. And they're not helicopters. Helicopters can't move like that. They're not aeroplanes, and they're just hovering above the valley down the south there, the, in the Blue Mountains. How strange! So, and Attila uh, reckons it's a it's a UFO base. Yeah, he mentioned something about a UFO base, and I was really he's like, not laughed, but I was a bit, oh, okay, all right. And then the next time we went there, they were there again. The next time we went out at night time, they're there again. And I'm like, gee, he must be telling the truth. There must be something here. 
Yeah. And do you know if you've noticed them, uh, either you or he have noticed them during the day as well, or is it you're only picking up the night at the, the light at night time? No, it was only at night time. It right. was only at night time, not in the daytime. But yeah. um, like we, we recently went out just to do a bit of research. It wasn't got to do with um, any filming. Um, there was three of us, as a tiller, myself and Dave Reed from Canberra. And um, we just went out to do check out an area and see what we got. And I had the thermal out and all that kind of stuff. But it got really windy and we had to go at about 8 o'clock. It just got too cold. And when I was just making something to eat and that, and Tiller's like, look at that. And there was like a big white ball of light coming from the south, but in a different area than what we saw the other ones. And then it went into like a big cigar shape, like really big. And then it went back to the circle and then it kind of disappeared. And that was up there. And that was probably about near sunset. You're looking at like 5 to 5.30ish when it starts to get, you know, that kind of afternoon sunset in the sky. Mm-hmm. And yeah, how so. how high above the ground did it appear to be? Oh, that was, uh, it'd be a few thousand feet. It was pretty high. It wasn't like an aeroplane, like a, like a, uh, like a Qantas aeroplane or something, but it was probably like, you know, you see the Cessnas, how high they fly. It was about that high. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're probably looking at 2,000 feet or something like that. So, yeah. Yeah, right. Mm. Oh, wow. It's all going on for you guys. There's, there's action, oh. action all over the place. Oh, there's a, there was a, yeah, there's other weird things that you know that happened, and but that were the major ones that really stood out. At the, fir- the pretty much the first day we started to try and film track up in the Blue Mountains again, we saw some kind of like Slender Man kind of figure. All four of us seen it, and when we even got the thermal out, um, Simon Young was with us that day, and he got his thermal out. And we put the thermal on it and Attila and Simon did see it through the thermal and it wasn't even coming up as bright. It still come up as black when it should have come up as a white colour because um, the Simon's thermal is a bit older than the ones that we're currently using, like myself and Dean from AYR. And, um, yeah, it, it just – and when they went to hand it to me, it just disappeared. I couldn't see it. So, yeah, it was some little black figure was some up at, um, in the Blue Mountains too. So that was what, really weird. How So how tall was it? Uh, three foot maybe, if that. Three, big. three foot, and it was a, a really slender, real black, shape. jet, jet black. Everything was black about it. Nothing else was no other color. And it, one of the boys said it saw it walk across the road, and I'm like, oh, okay. Well, so we're going to have a look, and we had a look, and I said, oh, it could have been a roux or something. He goes, no, 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 it was something ran across the road. It was all black. And then not long after that, we saw. We'd finished, we'd talking around the cars in the car park after we'd been down in the valley walking around, had nothing happen. And then this thing is just appears. And then Attila goes, yeah, I can see it up near the, like one of the big boulders. I'm like, oh. And I'm like, oh, I didn't see it. And like, I'm thinking, are they seeing something? And then all of a sudden between these two massive boulders, then it, it appeared there, just kind of like walked, kind of appeared. And then I've gone, there it is, there. So then, oh, yeah, there it is. And then they got the thermal out trying to look at it. And then... You know, we all had a good look at it, and that was the first weird thing that happened there. And um, uh, one of the boys forgot his torch right down in the valley, and I said, look, I'm going to go back there and have a, and get it. So it was probably two or three days later I got it. And as I was walking out, it was drizzling rain, and there's no trail there. You've got to bush bash to get down to this area, and I'm bush bashing out. And then I heard, like, something was like um, a metal spoon hit, uh, like a like a 
tin can or a billy. It was like two, metal on metal. And I'm like, I'll just come up from there. And it's like metal on metal. And I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> and I'm like, there's got to be something about this area. That's, yeah. we saw a figure. And now I hear metal on metal and there's nothing there. It's just all bush. There's no trail. There was no one there. It was raining. I was the only one there going down to try and find his, his torch. So, so the, and the little, the little figure that you could see, could you see the face? No, it was just like you just. It was like someone just draw, draw like a, a silhouette. You know, you couldn't see anything. It was just black. Everything was dark about it. There's uh, no face. Arms and just, legs. Yeah, it was just the shape of a head, the arms, legs, torso, just like someone stood there, but it was jet black. About three foot tall. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't that big at all, and it just, it just, it looked weird. It didn't look like it was a. It just didn't look like it was like a little like a jungle or anything. It just nah. It just looked like it was some sort of weird creature some I know I'd say something from paranormal side um maybe some sort of I don't know if the aboriginals have the name for things I am not sure but it was something that I can't explain one of the one of the witnesses I interviewed for AYR um we're in in touch quite a lot Uh, we have been since I interviewed him because quite quite a few interesting things have been happening to him and he's seen recently um two little people and this is relatively near Sydney. I can't give you where where this location is. He's seen two little people, just individual, one at a time, but he looks up to his roof line and he just catches a glimpse of this little being, tiny, like maybe 40 centimetres tall at the most. The skin is a, a grey like a fish, but quite beautiful and shiny, but grey, yeah. uh, no clothes, um, f- um, legs and arms, so it's a bipedal creature, s- really strong, wiry, stocky kind of build, but it's just, it looks like it, it, it he said, it, looks like I, it looked like I caught it in the act of just rolling itself back up, doing a chin-up and pulling itself back up onto my roof. Um, yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, and he's he's seen them twice, but it's a little a little figure that that was grey. So I'm wondering whether that was connected to what you saw. Uh, um, I wouldn't know because yeah, what we saw was just jet black. But yeah, it, I don't know. Too far be, away. Yeah, it's just it's like it's just like this. I didn't believe like you've seen people talk about you know you hear people talk about these things and until it happens to you. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then you you start thinking like, gee, there's a lot out in the bush that people don't realise. And I have, you know, I, I, it's good reason for people to be scared while they're out there because there's so many weird things that happen out there. And when it happened, we weren't like expecting any of this to happen. It just happened, and then it was right in front of our faces, and we, we you could not miss it. You know. Well, you, and, you, like, sorry, yeah, go on, go on. It, but like. No, you, you, you go on and I'll tell you another weird story that happened. To <laughs> I was else. just going to say, you and Attila are magnets for paranormal activity, aren't you? you the two well, of you. Look, the, the next one, we went into, we went down the south coast and we're at an area where um, people were being buried from a mass, like a mass a serial killer. All right. I won't give it the area out, but. Um, people might know it anyway. Oh, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Anyway, so we were out yeah. there filming, and it's actually on um, Attila's Moonlight Media YouTube channel. It's called The Forest at Night, and it's basically just some weird stuff that's happened while we've been out filming. And 
um, this one was, um, we actually found one of the grave sites because there was a flag there and it had rip of the person's name. So we kind of stood clear, stayed a bit clear of it. You know, didn't want to, you know, be any disgraceful or anything in that. Anyway, um, or walk over anyone's grave. And you know, I just, just wanted to stay away, be, you know, be respectful. Uh, Tillers wasn't too far away from there and I had my thermal out and I was by myself and this place gets really dark. You can't even see your hand in front of your face. It's like you're in a cave. And uh, while I was using the thermal and he's trying to say this, is there anything around here? Um, I said, I can't see nothing, you know. Uh, something was like someone was like, had their head just behind on the, around my shoulder and kind of went and breathed out like that. <laughs> I'm just oh, kind of like, and I'm just kind of like standing there going. Um, what the hell was that? <laughs> yeah, and I just kind of stood, stood, stood around really like turned around slow. You'd think I would do it quick. I'd kind of turn around slow thinking if someone's going to be standing there with a knife or something and all these weird things start running through your, your mind and I'm like, no, there's nothing here. So I kept filming, but I kept looking around. <laughs> like I couldn't stop looking around. <laughs> I don't blame and I'm you. On the, and I'm on the radio going, boy, something just breathed over my shoulder. Like, And there's no one here. And they're like probably 100 metres away. And they're like, all right, we'll come back. And so that kind of bits on the forest at night. So Tiller's put some things up that has happened while we've been out there filming. And um, the actual photo of the forest at night, you can see like a face. And it's actually a face on a tree that we found in the Blue Mountains. And it's, yeah, it, you just changed it with the colour to bring the face out more so people can see it. Did you, wait, you, you were the one who sent me that shapeshifter video. That was a Tillers, wasn't it? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. No, that's, and that's someone else's. Yeah. Oh, okay. Got it, yeah, got yeah, it. Yeah, that was yeah, incredible. Yeah. That reminded me of the witness from the Blue Mountains who saw the shapeshifter up on the lookout there um, that I had on my show uh, several weeks ago. Um, he, okay. he caught something on camera shape-shifting behind him so that the thing behind him didn't realise that he had it in view on his camera because he had the selfie, um, he'd reversed the direction of the camera so it looked like oh, he's looking okay. away from him but it was actually pointing over his shoulder and the sun was in this creature's eyes so... Um, we think so. It didn't really re- didn't realise that Simon was actually filming. Um, okay. So he he managed to catch something shape shifting. At first, it looked like the shape of a giant snake, but then it morphed into uh, what looked like a, a a strange. I think no. First, it looked like a strange lizardy shape, and then a snaky shape head, and then it morphed into a being that looked more like an alien. Really odd. Really odd. I've seen stills of the footage. I, he he didn't want to send the actual footage um, yeah. around, yeah. Um, which is fair enough. Um, but I have seen stills of it, and I can see what he's saying. I, I could absolutely, I, definitely see I, what he's I, saying. I, I think I've seen that one. It was a few weeks ago. Yeah, and you, yeah, you, yeah, you yeah. The photo. I think yeah, that does look really weird. And they, if that's up, if he'd done that at the Blue Mountains, when we're having other things happen, there's, there's, yeah, there's, there's, there's got to be something there. Yeah, there's too much happening. Like. Like it's not, like I said, things are happening like three times in one night. Three yes. weird things happen. Well, and not to know. mention, not to mention John Kershaw and his Dogman stuff, which wasn't you know too far away from the Blue Mountains either. Yeah, um, it's not that. It's not. Yeah, it's not in the Blue Mountains. It's not in the Blue not, Mountains, but it's not too no, far no, no. away. Not, it's not. It's not that far away. Yeah, 
and um, we actually like went to that area and um, yeah, he told yeah, me that he, yeah. he he got you and you and Attila to go with him to yeah. to check out the spot again. Understandably, yeah, we he was too scared to go on his own, which which I completely understand. Because the one thing about um, when we went there, because a few people have kind of claimed that photo as their own around the world. And have they really? Some people have claimed it. or Yeah, yeah. So, oh, that's outrageous, so isn't it? What, what we filmed will prove that John is the real person that filmed it because we have got footage of that area at a later date and you can still see the trees match up. Yeah, and like you, on, you, on, you only have to talk to the man to, he, to hear the honesty in his voice. He's not, oh, like, yeah. you know, he's, he's, a, he's an honest person and you can, you can tell that if you've spent the, the, the time that I have talking to him and that you have too, uh, yeah. that there's no way he was bullshitting about that story. Um, no, there's definitely something there. Yeah. There's definitely something there. Um, and, and, and I know there's like this trick, like pareidolia comes into play with the lights and the foliage, but mm-hmm. it's kind of out in the open and it's like it's there's something there, whatever it is, like I'm not sure of, but there is. And when you do, people have, you know, done a few things with their tricks with their, you know, um, their programs and stuff and it brings it out a bit clearer and you can see like, there's like a snout and ears and eyes and stuff. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's really weird. It's really clear to me. I, I And I find people send me photos all the time, send me and uh, for Yowie Central, but also Dean and I share the photos that get sent to AYR. And um, I often can't see what people are trying. They go, yeah, it's, it's right there in that circle. You, <laughs> and I can't, yeah. I can't see anything most of the time. But with John's photos, uh, that was clear as day to me. Yeah. Um, clear yeah, as day. Like he was just going fishing like he usually did and he did say he got charged out of something not far from there. Yeah. Um, yep. Something charged for the bush and... And, um, and something was stalking so, him as well. Yeah, and he said it was yeah. stalking him and, and, yep. and, and yeah, so we we got on, on kayaks and we kayaked in like he was and we, that's why we got the same angle from the actual being in the middle of, the, of that little river. Um, so, and we went up there and we did a bit of filming for that. So that's that's going to you know, prove to everyone that he's the real person that took that photo. He's not claiming someone else's photo as someone else, some people are doing with his photo. So, um, yeah, that was, that was interesting seeing that. Like I've never seen any picture like that from Australia before. So Yeah. And what, was, are, what are people like trying to claim someone else's photos as their own? There's, there's a, uh... There's a few, there's a few dirty tricksters out there, aren't there? We, uh, well, I sent you that footage that I haven't really spoken about on the show before, but that that was happening up on the Sunshine Coast, and there was that couple who were pre- pretending to claim that that was Yowie activity, but they were actually really throwing stones and you know yeah. throwing rocks and and twigs the whole time. The whole time it was them, and they were hoaxing the whole time. It was really yeah, I know. It's pathetic. it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate, mm. um, Sarah, that it happens. People come in, and all they want to do is they they go, oh, people are interested in Yowies, and they they come across AYR forums or they come across the Facebook groups, and then all they in their mind is, all right, let's play as many tricks as we can, and stuff people around for a while until everyone pretty much boots them out of their groups, and then they just give up and go to something else and start doing it to some other. Um, sort of group, so it, it's it's something that's always going to be there, and it's just that you got to be alert to these things. And you know, when I see new things come out and people are claiming things, I'm I don't jump to conclusions straight away. I'm a bit of a skeptic, and I have to be that with even with my own research first before I will claim it's this or that. I want to find out 
if it's not a native animal making that noise or or anything else like that or or an introduced species or a bird or a night owl or something like that and you know when people make all these claims and and sensationalized things that it's this and it's that you know you've got to go you know you just don't jump to conclusions and say oh wow this person said it's this and it must be that you know so it's unfortunately these things are happening and it will always happen some person comes in and does you know plays tricks on people and and stirs up and 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 does you know fake videos and hoaxes and all that and then they disappear and then someone else takes you know does it from when after they left so it's something that we've got to be aware of and and just you know really use a bit of common sense as well when you know you're looking at other people's research and you know um and then you just can't jump to conclusions too quickly yeah 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 i hear you i hear you and we'll just ignore the um the the people who feel like they're they're well who feel like they need to hoax something that it actually says a lot about them as a person and they're probably a pretty sad kind of person i would suggest so mm, and, um, and unfortunately sarah a lot of this comes from america as well it's there's been a lot of things where one minute they've got a big foot um like a whole body next minute they've got skulls and things like that uh-huh. so, what did you yeah. think about that skull that um was it coyote coyote peterson or somebody like that some american oh, no. guy has I've has just ju- no i'd never heard of him either but just recently posts that photo on facebook saying he'd found this incredible skull uh it looks like a bigfoot skull um and he's it's somewhere in i think he was in british columbia um yeah. and has smuggled it out of the country and has it is going to have it analysed. But, you know, Jeff Meldrum, the primatologist, the American... The gorilla primat- skull. Yeah, yeah. He said, that's a gorilla skull. That's yeah. It's not a Bigfoot skull, it's a gorilla skull. Yeah, um, yeah. So. so talking about hoaxes, that he, I, I was excited to start with and then I thought, mm, we'll just wait and see on this one. Uh, and yeah, then Jeff yeah, yeah. Meldrum gets on Facebook and says, no, 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 that's that's just a gorilla. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And when, you, when it's coming from someone like him with his expertise, you, you, yeah. you, you believe it 100%. Yeah, exactly. And he's never been, he's never been anything else but honest, that um, Jeff Meldrum and anything he's done all over his years. And that's how you've got to be in this kind of thing. Once you start steering to... The dark side, when you're starting to hoax stuff, you never get believed again. No, exactly. You know? Ex- so. Exactly right. Hey, tell me about, you sent me um, that that vocalisation that you caught at Maramara. That's that's pretty cool. And, and Dean sent that off to Angela at um, the Olympic Project and she analysed that. Do you want to tell the Yowie Central listeners about that vocalisation? Yeah, so... Uh, Maramara National Park is just um, north of Canoelands, Fiddletown, and it's a, a national park that's just it's it's a tidal estuary or tidal creek. It's Maramara Creek. It comes off Bedford Creek, and that runs straight off the Hawkesbury. Um, so it's just yeah up north of Dural, Canoelands, Fiddletown, Arcadia. So it's a place that you can either get in by boat when the tide's in, or like a small boat, or you hike in. It takes about two hours the hike in and uh yeah so we've gone there over a number of years i first really went there because a friend of mine said he heard um had some rocks or something thrown at there where they were in a in a in a boat along not probably a few k's from there but i thought this is the closest place i can get to there in a campground and a few rocks got thrown out of the bush at them while they were 
uh, fishing. So they, he, he just mentioned to me it might pay to go and research that area. So I think uh, it was back in 2017 was the first time that we went there. And from the first time to the last time we've gone there, we've always got something, something that's always happened. And it's over tree breaks, like trees getting ripped apart. I've actually recorded that, like vocalizations. I recorded those massive howls, scream, roars, or whatever you want to say, over a 40 minute period a few years ago. I've had like wood knocks. I've seen red eye shine for the first time. I've heard rocks getting thrown into the creek uh, and just anything that's Yari related or, you know, I, I, we've recorded there. So the last time we, we got there was just before the rains. We went there Thursday, two weeks ago. We spent Thursday night, Friday night and come home Saturday just before the last major rains hit Sydney. The Thursday night was pretty much the only night that I could get the parabolic out. So I put the parabolic out and I've actually had it facing down on the creek as where the creek is and there's like a all sand. So it's like a little beach area. Turned it on and we were about 30 metres away. So we were, we'd already broken all the tree branches and everything and made a nice little fire because it got pretty cold and we're sitting around the fire and we're just listening to see what's, what's going on. And um, yeah, I probably about nine o'clock at night, 9.30, then we hear this kind of weird like howling coming from the east, eastern side. Um, and I've got my parabolic pointing to the west. So as soon as that happened, I went and grabbed it and put it over there, but nothing happened after that. There was no one down in that whole area and there's no houses or roads in that direction. Uh, if someone just wanted to go in there and yell out once and then not yell out anymore. But um, this, there was no one there. So I think if, I don't know if you want to play it, if anyone could hear it, but. Um, uh, I'll play probably... it. I won't play it now. I'll play it at the end of the show because uh, it probably won't come through while I'm talking to you on the phone. Oh, okay. um, so, yeah, so I'll um, just for the listeners, I'll play it for you before I finish the show. When I finish talking to Dan, I'll play the howl for you. Yeah, put put headphones on because you can hear it better. If, yeah. and, if I, and if I did have my parabolic pointing to that way, it would have been a lot clearer and a lot louder. But I had it pointed the other way and it's the dish was pointed, you know, in a different direction. So it was, didn't pick it up as clean. But it was still loud enough for us to kind of like turn our heads and go, what was that? And then go, all right, let's go down there. So we went for a hike about a kilometre down the trail in the night time there and um, – had the thermal out and we didn't hear anything else, didn't see anything. So but it, always something happens down there. Very rarely do I go down there and nothing, nothing happens. You know? So it's a place that I fall back on if I, nothing's happening. Anywhere. Like in the Blue Mountains at the moment, because of all the rain and the bushfires, and I haven't really been getting any results up there like I was a few years ago. So I've gone to places like Marimala, uh, Paramara, um, Strickland State Forest, other places down the coast just to visit other places as well. Um, I think the Blue Mountain settles down and everything gets back to normal and I get well, you know, start getting results again. So Strickland, ah, so Strickland, we've got re- quite a few reports from there too, don't we? Mm, yeah, so I, I met um, Dion who is on the AYR forum and oh, um, yes. yep. he showed me exactly where the actual sighting was. So I did a bit of filming there and I want to go back there at night time as well, but 
they lock the gate. So you're going to have to park our cars out on the road and walk in a few kilometres to get to that area, which is not too hard. And that's something that's on the cards for the future. Just spend, I've picked a few areas where we could sit on like a, like a rocky ridge and we can just point everything down into the, the valley kind of there and see what we get. Awesome. So where are you, where are you at with the sequel to the first track? Are you, do you, are you, are you able to talk, tell us a little bit about what the, what the second one is focusing on or would you rather leave that a secret? I can give a little bit away, but not too much. Until I said, I asked him, what can I talk about? He says, I trust you. So, oh. <laughs> well, it's basically, basically, it's, um, it's, it's, he's in production. He's got pretty much half of it done. Of to, So he's going to got another, uh, probably say another half an hour or something left, uh, putting it together and it's, and, it, and then it's finished. So he's finished filming. It's just post-production work now. Um, it's, He's weaving his magic that he does because he does make me look a lot better than what I really am. <laughs> so, yeah, I always say to him, I said, mate, you made me look a lot better than what I really sounded. So, Gotta love that. Um, yeah. So, um, it, well, it just, it, it's a different angle to the first one. Like, you know, it's got things like, you know, talking about how different things affect the Yowies, you know, like could be like bushfires or something like that. It's gone into the aspects like that. It's not just research about researchers. It's got um, Indigenous people talking about the Yowie, which not a lot of people have actually been in documentaries and filmed uh, about the Indigenous people and what they think and about the Yowie and all that. Plus, you know, there's other things in there that would be very interesting for people to see. But I think, yeah, it's going to be a little bit different. to the. It's a bit different to the first one. It's on a different angle. But, you know, Attila, he's – a lot of it that's been filmed in it, I didn't have anything to do with. I wasn't there, so I don't even know myself. I probably only know what's going to be in it, probably maybe half of it, maybe. <laughs> the other <laughs> half I wasn't involved in. It's – yeah, so I think it's one of those ones where, you know, it's coming out at the in the last quarter of this year. So once he finalises it and gets it all finished and likes it the way he wants – and has everything, you know, all set, and he's going to give it to his distributor, and then they'll get there and do all the um, and put it on all the. I think I'm not sure what platform it'll be on. This distributor is a different to the last one, so it could be on. A, it mightn't be on Amazon. It might be on something on Netflix. It might be something. It mightn't even be on one of them. It might be on a different kind of platform. I'm not quite sure about that. I haven't talked to him anything about that. So. That's up for him and the distributor to work that out. So, awesome! Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing it. I loved the last one; it was an excellent, the the best Australian documentary on the subject, clearly by far. Um, yeah. So, I'm, I'm he's an excellent filmmaker. So, I'm really looking forward to seeing the second part. Have you got some ideas yeah. for the third one yet, or is that you're not just focusing on the second one now? Uh, I'm I'm not sure. If there's like what he's planning on doing, he hasn't really said anything. I'm, I'm not sure if there's going to be like a third one. I'm not really sure about that. I think he might have an idea to do some, go into something else. I'm, I'm not really sure. But, you know, like people have got to realise is like when we go into these places, there's only two or three of us and everyone's carrying all their gear and all their equipment and stuff. And when I look at a tiller in his bag and 
all the cameras and gimbals and the batteries because you know when we're out there it's usually winter time and the cold weather just sucks the life out of the battery so he might have to have like three or four different batteries for every camera he's got and plus you know all, all like his clothes and everything else so his bag weighs a ton you need you need a whole film crew, don't you? Really, you need all the gophers and the bag carriers and the and the the, the technicians who can lug all the stuff around, <laughs> so he, he can he, concentrate on being being the director. He's that all in one. He carries everything in the whole bag. <laughs> he's the sherpa. He does it himself. And like we all do our own thing. But I picked up his bag one day. I said, "I'm glad I'm not carrying your bag." So. <laughs> but uh, but uh, he um yeah he's it's. It's really good to see someone work because, you know, when you have had not had any experience with people that are filming documentaries or filming anything, like even a commercial and just to see how they do it. And then, you know, once you're involved in it, 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 it's really interesting and it's and it's really good to be involved in it. You know, I never thought I'd be involved in something like this. And when Attila first emailed me way back in 2018 and asked me, you know, would you want to be in a in a documentary? And. And he, Attila used to run some UFO, a UFO group back in the like late nine in nineteen nineties and early two thousands, and I used to go to go to them, and so I knew um, what Attila, you know, what was capable of, you know, what how because he was doing stuff back then. So um, when he said to me, "Do you want to be in a documentary?" and I'm like, "Yeah, no worries, straight away." And I'm, I said to him, I, I know you because I used to come to your, your, your UFO group meetings way back in the 2000s and I had to stop because I trained greyhounds and it was like too much. I was getting up at 3 a.m. in the morning and sometimes we would go to 11 o'clock at night with these meetings and I'd have to start work at 5 a.m. and they all got too much and I had to get rid of something and unfortunately it was going to their meetings, and which I really enjoyed because Intilla even made them really interesting and he had people come on and do talks about their UFO encounters and stuff like that. And it was really interesting and stuff that I'd never heard of before and um, people that had you know, encounters and stuff. So, you know, and he has got other documentaries on like Amazon Prime and he's been doing it and, you know, learning the trade over a lot of years and, you know, working out what to do and what not to do. And, yeah, he does it really well until you've worked with people like himself, you don't know how much effort goes into these things. And he must be staying awake at late at night, trying to get this all put together in the post-production. And I don't know the last one, he showed me the first 15 minutes of the track. And then when I saw it in the premiere showing the first 15 minutes was different and it was a lot better. So, <laughs> so he waved some, some sort of magic. He created some sort of magic around it and ta-da. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, he, he, he knows he's, he, he's, he knows it very well how to do this. And yeah, I'm, I, I'm like in awe of the guy, mate, like just to see what he does and how he carries all that gear down the mountains and then all that effort and then go out and film and then come back and then put it all together. It's amazing. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com.
There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Yeah, and, and not only does he film documentaries, he also films ads, and you're also oh. the star <laughs> of his latest ad for Cade Moyer's um, is it angry yowie coffee? Cryptid coffee. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, coffee? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That angry is yowie. such a good ad. I, uh, I, yeah. If if my, my listeners haven't seen it, you've got to check Dan out in this ad. It was brilliant. Yeah, we um we took a probably three or four hours to film that up in the Blue Mountains, and until his son Anakin was in the yowie cof, uh, costume. That was a really cool, really cool yowie costume too. Yeah, he got it from America. But you know one thing, Sarah, even when I knew it was a, like Anakin was standing in that, in that costume, it just, I just looked at it and, and the costume made him look really big, like a, really like a size that people say what the Yowies look like and how big their chest is and how big their, their waist and everything is. And I was just sitting there going, gee, if, if I didn't know he was in that and he walked through the bush near me, I'd be like, what the hell? Like, <laughs> it looks huge. He looks huge in it. And it gives it's... you gives you a, a, a real um, a real taste for feeling what it actually feels like to come up against one of these beings in yeah. the bush. Yeah, you get that kind of nervous, tingly feeling in yeah. your body, and your hair stands up on the back, and it's <laughs> just a costume, and it's you know. And you, and even after two hours, I just shake my head, going, "Gee, that just looks real." You know? <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, and it was really good to make. My favorite part was when the Yowie pinches the coffee. Yes, I have said to Cade. We've got to make one when I steal the coffee back. You know, I'm going to kind of have my coffee stolen. <laughs> yes, that would be <laughs> so fantastic. It could be something on the cards, but Attila's on uh, all his effort and he's is, is on to making the documentary and finalising it and getting it out so everyone can enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. And I loved the music too. The, the music was perfect too for the Oh, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, it was. Attila, um, uh, a Cade really loved it. He says... He couldn't stop watching it. I said, I think I've watched it more than you, man. I said, I've watched it about 40 times in five minutes. <laughs> I was disappointed you weren't wearing thongs. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, you know, I tried to, but Attila denied it. He said, no, you can't have thongs. You've got to look like a, you know, uh, sophisticated research. I'm like, oh, all right, well, come on. I said, sophisticated research. I should have had socks and thongs on because it was cold. No. We're no, still waiting for the, the – the, some thong company has to get you uh, as the star of their ads, definitely. You need some sponsorship. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I never know. I could bring out, you know, Yowie Dan thongs. You never know. Yes. Put me on the yeah, I reckon that would be awesome. Yowie thongs. You'd have to get some yeah. some Yowie face like printed onto the thong somehow. <laughs> Yeah, something like that, you know, because I always, I always say at the end, of, at the, in the last few videos I make on my YouTube channel, Australian Yowie, I always end with my videos at the moment, like, probably the last three or four, is, 
remember always hiking thongs, you know, because you have more fun hiking in thongs, you know. <laughs> I'm trying to tell Dean Harrison hiking thongs, and he's like, no, 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 no. I said, come on, you haven't lived until you hiked in thongs. There is no way Dean Harrison would wear a pair of thongs. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the, um, the track is going to be uh, – tracking the law is going to be really interesting for people, and it's going to be – it's going to just show a new aspect on things and a different angle. And, like I said, I don't know half as much – half – of the stuff that's in it. I didn't know what I was involved in. So it's going to be a bit of an eye opener for me. Um, yeah, one part of it's going to be, I'm going to find interesting is the, the you know, when he talks to the indigenous elders and what they've got to say and what he's filmed there. So um, yeah, that, yeah, that'll I'm be really be, cool. But and just before I go, when I did go to um, Maramara, when we hiked out, there's a plateau, a rock plateau about, three quarters of the way up when you're coming from the bottom and it's about a quarter of the way down when you're at the top. So, and there was a big rock carving of a kangaroo there. And I've been there probably 10 times walked through there. Didn't see it. It was only because it was raining and it shows up really well on the rain. And I did have it on my YouTube channel, Australian Yowie, if anyone wants to have a look at that. So, um, yes, definitely. And I'd highly recommend to my listeners to check out your, your YouTube channel, um, you're a, you're a de- very dedicated, serious Yowie researcher, and I, I, I love your work. Uh, you've you've gotten some pretty amazing vocalizations, and and but also footage, haven't you? Yeah, well, the one that I like go back to is the one at Glenbrook, which was filmed I think 2013. It was in June or July, pretty cold, and um, I just had an ankle operation of Achilles tendon and. Um, it's been like ruptured tendon kind of thing, and I was on crutches for four months, so I wanted to go to an easy place. But I ended up hiking in there, and the physio told me off the next day because <laughs> yes. I could have heard, heard it. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, I, I, I kind of limped in, and I didn't see it or anything, didn't smell it, and I've just got it in the background. And after watching the video footage a few times, I seen this black figure. And when I went back there, the rock wall is like twelve foot high in some areas, and there's no, there was no kangaroo or wallaby or anything. It was one another person. I've gone back and had people standing in an area there where I thought it could have been a person. They couldn't get seen because there's bushes there, thick bush. And um, all I could put it down to was something that's 10 foot plus. Um, and I got six frames of it on the video because I was trying to film um, a tree that had been broken there and just to see how hard it was to break that tree. And when I actually bent it, I bent it around like a, a fishing rod in the, like a circle shape that wouldn't break. So I'm like, how hard is it to break this little tree? And as I put the camera down to grab the tree, um, that's when I got it up, got just up probably about 18 metres away from me. So, yeah, that's um, it's one of the most interesting things I've videoed at the moment. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, totally recommend to my listeners check out your Australian Yowie YouTube channel. Have you ever had a, a, a point where you're out in the, researching in the middle of the night and it's dark and you've suddenly gotten really frightened? You know how that people talk about that sense of dread that all of a sudden they, th- they feel like their life's in danger but they're not quite sure why. It's just that I'm terrified. Have you ever felt that before? When I used, I used to go out into the Blue Mountains by myself um, and... Yeah, I had probably one or two occasions I did have that kind of feeling like, you know, but I think it was mainly, it was the first kind of times I went out by myself and I think it was more anxiety than anything else that kind of plagued and it was really nothing. 
And and one thing was when you do go out in the bush at night, you've got to start getting used to the all, all the usual noises that happen, like all the owls. And then you've got the, um, other different animals that come out at night. And what I've found is, Sarah, that some of these animals may be small, but they do make a lot of noise or it sounds like they're making a lot of noise because everything else is so quiet. So it makes it sound like it's a bigger animal than what it really is. So um, it took a while for me to get used to all the natural sounds that are already known by known animals and some maybe like introduced animals like deer, et cetera, and, and, and foxes. You know, sometimes they scream like little girls. It's really weird. And it, that was freaking me out at the start. So once you get used to all the noises that you, 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 you can, you know what they are, they're coming from, you do uh, go out there with like at ease, you're not freaking out as much like I did when I first started doing it. And the more I went out, the more at ease I got. And then it was only them noises that I couldn't attach to a, an animal that I knew. That's when I'd start going, all right, well, that noise is coming from over there. I'd point a parabolic dish there, I get night vision, and now I've got a thermal. That's going to pick up something. If something's alive, it can't escape the thermal unless it's hiding behind a big rock or a tree or something. So, um, yeah, I have had them occasions where I've got mm -hmm. that, oh, what am I doing here? It's pitch black. Mm -hmm. I'm like two hours from anywhere. If something happens, how am I going to get out of here? I have had that feeling, but it was mainly when I first started going out alone. Do you have any ideas now after so many years of research what these beings, these incredible beings are? Well, I've always thought it from day one and I've, I'm still thinking now, I just think it's a flesh and blood, blood creature. I, look, I know everyone says, not everyone, but some people have it. It's, you know, they're associated with UFOs and they're interdimensional creatures and that, and everyone's got the right to think their own way. But my way is they're just a flesh and blood, blood creature that's evolved maybe out of Africa and it's made its way down through, you know, down to Australia via, if it was the ice ages or the, the you know, when there's, the land was like locked together, land bridges, etc. Or it's, I've got a, like, not a theory, but it could have just been an ape type creature that evolved in the, the Asia region and it come down here early enough to be in the country like Australia, and then it got blocked off because the land bridges actually went away because the um, ice age went and then everything, all the water rose and then they got stuck here. So when, cause they're in a, such a big country, they've got to walk around, they started growing bigger than the smaller ones that have been found in Southeast Asia. So there's two kind of theories I got, but look, no one knows. I could be wrong and they could be something to do with your foe, who knows? But that's just my view. My view is just that they're, they're really good at living in their environment. They, you know, when you grow up in the bush, you can hide very easily. You know, I don't know how, I don't know if it's happened to you, but how many times have you walked down a trail anywhere in Australia and there's a wallaby within a meter of you and you don't even see it till it moves? Yes, that is so true. Absolutely. You know? We were, when we were down Maramara the last time, it was a friend of mine, Kurt Harrison, and he's, he was there when I filmed, I recorded the first big, the loud howls back in 2017. And we've been friends ever since. And we've gone down a few occasions. And um, when we were actually going along the trail at night, a big roo just jumped out in front of him, like right out in front of him and got it on the thermal. 
Yeah, it did spook him a bit. He kind of took a few steps back. <laughs> yeah, just straight like, oh. out of the bush, like right in front of him. And it was a big root, big grey male. We're, we're going to plan on going down again. We, I'm not sure when, but um, it's a good time in the winter time to go, even though it's cold in places like Maramara because there's not many people go there. You don't have to worry about the snakes. There's a lot of brown snakes in that area when it's winter, uh, summer. Um, you get the, um, like the monitor lizards come around and they, you know, play havoc with everyone's uh, tents and try to get their food and stuff like that. So the wintertime is less hassles. It's a lot of, it's quiet. And that's when I get most of my best results because there's less people around or no one else around by myself and someone else, if there's someone else with me. And that's when I get my best results. It's, it's really quiet. And even there's a, a log book down at Maramara and the people, we read it while we are down there and people were writing, it's really dark down here. It's so eerie. It's so quiet, you know, and it's, you can see why some noises people will plague on people's minds because they don't know where, what the noise is coming from. Cause a lot of people do camp, but they don't camp often enough to get used to or know what some of these noises are in the bush. And it's, un, it's until you hear, you record things like, like trees being ripped apart. I'm like, all right, we've got probably what's, going to live in a tree and rip it apart well you get possums can rip things apart a bit but not actually hear the actual trunk getting ripped apart <laughs> you know and when you start hearing things like that that's when you start questioning like all right what is that yeah you know? i mean if you'd never heard if you'd never heard a a fox or a koala for that matter and you weren't familiar with those sounds and you're you're out in the dark in the in the bush um, they they would certainly startle you if you'd never heard them before. I and mean, a fox sounds crazily sometimes like a, a woman screaming, and and the koalas sound sound monstrous in the dark, especially when they're oh, when they're doing their, their their mating ritual. They breeding season full oh, on. Oh man, that's I heard one out in the back of um, in the Blue Mountains there once, and I, I yeah, that did make me freak a bit. I didn't realize it was a koala. <laughs> <laughs> I did make a video, it's on my YouTube channel, and it's about as many animals I could find, both native and introduced, and the noises that they make. And one of them is a platypus, and it growls. Oh. And I didn't know a platypus would growl. So you could be walking around a trail at night, and there's a platypus out there and growling, and you're like, what's that? Like, what's growling at me? But it's a platypus. So, <laughs> Something you know. that's not actually that scary. <laughs> yeah. Well, look at if you look up in Queensland, there's a there's a bird that screams like a cat or makes cat noises. Look, you've got birds that make noises that you wouldn't even think they'd make. So animals make some really weird noises. And it's when you're out in the bush and you're by yourself or you're just with a friend and you're not been out there that often or you're unfamiliar with the noises, it, it can be quite terrifying. So. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, mate, would I be able to come out with you one day researching? I'll, I'll drive up from Victoria and... And uh, come and hang out with you one weekend if, you, if you'd have me, if you and Attila would have me. Oh, yeah, yeah. It depends where you want to go and how far you want to hike in and how hard you want to make it, you know. <laughs> no, I'd, I'd like to be carried in on a, <laughs> on a stretcher, thanks. I think maybe we'll get some, like, Uber Sherpas or something. Like <laughs> That's all right. That's right. Some slaves. Find me as some long, slaves. As long as you... <laughs> As long as you bring your hiking thongs, you can come anytime. Excellent. <laughs> I'll get them ready. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, mate, was there anything else that you wanted to chat about before we wrap it up? One thing that Bean Harrison said to me also before I go is when, once you have an encounter or a sighting, it, it's always going to be in your blood to try and find out what the, this creature is all about. And that's why, you know, he said, I said to me, I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to stop doing this because he goes, it's in your blood, mate. He goes, it's not going to be something that you can lose, even though you might stop researching, you'll always be looking in Facebook groups or you'll always be looking somewhere to see if, or, or watching documentaries because it's once it's in your blood, it's in your blood. And, you know, it, it's something that it's changed my life. When I first had my first encounter down at Appen at the Greyhound track at a, out of all places, I was there to train training a greyhound next minute I'm looking up yowies on when I get home because something screamed and yelled and nearly ripped a tree out of the ground and my dog looked like it had got electrified it was that freaked out and you know and that was in 2005 and it's 2022 and I'm still doing it it's just that now I've got better gear and um, if I did have um, thermal monocular like I did back in a couple of the times I've been out there um, I probably would have footage as good or better than what Buck had because I've had sometimes down at Acacia Flat, which is in the Blackheath area in the Blue Mountains down um, in the Grace Valley. And I've had one time in 2015, I had seven or eight of them running around in the bush all night until one turned up and was screaming down the, the valley and it, and it got closer and closer. And I'm thinking to myself, don't come this way, don't come this way. And then all of a sudden it turned up near the tent, done a big massive scream. And then from 4.30, sorry, from 7.30 at night till 4 o'clock in the morning, there was continuous tree breaks and noises and things running around in the bush. And then once this, once this thing come up and screamed, everything just went bang, quiet. Not even heard one more noise after that. So that's some weird things that can happen out in the bush. And <laughs> that, that is weird that it suddenly stopped like that. It and... suddenly stopped. Did they all go to? Was it all bed? Was it bedtime? Maybe or did they all move off together? Or no, I think when this, what, what to me? Because it, it, it was it was Easter 2015, and I hiked in. It took me five hours to cut, hike in from Gubbett's Leap. There's a quicker way to get in by Perry's Lookdown, but it's just murderous. It's just crazy. I did it once and never again. That's how hard it is. But um, this thing seemed to come from down the valley, and I had sound recorders and that. Then that's all I had. Didn't have parabolic. But if it wasn't raining because all the rain's hitting the tent, it just would have drowned it out. So I didn't press the record. On, I wouldn't have got anything on the sound recorder, but I kept hearing this thing making a screen noise. And it would have been easily a kilometre away when I first heard it. And I thought it was maybe an owl, but I went, nah, that's loud. Then it got closer and closer and closer and closer. And it took hours and hours to get closer. It didn't do it over like half an hour period. It took like six hours to get closer but I kept hearing it during the night and it kept me awake because I'm like what the hell is this and I'm trying to look out of the tent to see if I could spot what it was running around the bush and just all it was was crack 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 the trees were getting the tree branches are getting cracked all night I, I was surprised to see any tree branches left on trees there was that many breaks yeah, and, right. then, <laughs> and then when this thing turned up it was like hey I'm the boss done a big scream and then it like I did a big step into the bush and then I couldn't hear nothing no more. It's just like they all disappeared. People saying in another dimension, they were just gone. And I was like, okay, what happened? And that was it. That is really and, strange. So were you there, you were there by yourself? I was there by myself 
but there was other people, but because the Acacia Flat Campground's a really big one, and they were probably a good two or three hundred meters away. I couldn't even see them. I could hear them. Actually, when I when I was going out the next day because it, it was raining and I thought the Gross River was going to flood, so that's why I didn't stay for two two nights. I just stayed at one night, and a guy actually walked past me and said, "Oh, by the way, did you hear that weird like scream last night?" You know what well, that was? And I went, oh, no. I, I just said, oh, yeah, I heard it. I'm not sure what it was. I didn't tell him while I was there what I was there for. But he <laughs> said, yeah, did you hear that weird scream? I said, is that why you're leaving? He goes, yeah, half of it. <laughs> so he could have heard things running around in the bush too. So I right. didn't really go and talk with him. So, um, yeah, but that's that was one of the early things that happened to me, you know. But uh, I've been doing this since 2005 and I'm still just an, just intrigued or even more committed now than I, than I ever was back then because I've got the gear now. The parabolic dish, is, it can pick up things from a long way away. But this noise that you're going to play, it only sounded like it was maybe maybe a kilometre and a half to two kilometres away. It didn't sound like it was really far away and it's echoed through the valley. It sounded like it wasn't too far away. And when you look at the actual area around that Maramara, there's no houses in that direction. There's only the Maramara Trail coming in. And that's pretty hard to hike in just to yell once, three times and then go. Like, people don't do that. So, yeah, I just don't know what it is. What did, so, so what did Angela – I've I've read what you sent me that, that Angela had written about her analysis of that audio. So what did she say, just for the audience, what did she say – about that audio she said we analyzed the audio and there's a lot going on here in this clip the vocals are short comparing to the moan howl here in north america the pitch is a little higher for our neck of the woods so for here we would not rule out coyote for the sound signature had it been recorded in north america now that being said these calls are a cross between a yell and a whoop the first vocal is actually comprised of two short yells the other two vocals are the same. Whoops are normally vocalised in a higher pitch, which puts these vocals in the su- suspicious category, meaning it doesn't really match known sound signatures for our local wildlife. Because what is interesting is the percussion sound in the mix. The first two could be wood knocks. The other appear to be mouth pops on the spectrogram. I do not know what to make of the sound of interest unless unless it is your witness. Very deep antenna was your witness talking. If not, this is an interesting clip, but we weren't talking. We, well, look, we were talking, but we weren't talking loud. Most of the time, we we're just sitting there listening because uh, when you're talking, you can't hear what's happening around you. So we're pretty much just sitting there watching the fire and listening to if we could hear something. And then if we heard something happening in a certain direction, we'll go and search that area and see what it might be. And the odd time it was a bird or it was a kangaroo hopping around because these kangaroos do get down there. And then she put in the attached spectrogram, we have identified some sounds as possible mouth pop speculation, of course, but they have an interesting mm-hmm. sound, different than wood on wood. Um, it is a signature we are following. So there is a lot happening in a very short period of time. I would be curious to know if your contact has recorded the small sounds in this area, what animals reside in the wild at this location, and if you or they believe these are suspicious vocals and not local wildlife, I would default to their knowledge base. 
So definitely, there there isn't any animal that sounds like that that vocalization that you caught, as far as I'm aware. Yeah, yeah, and like we walked around there at night. We couldn't. There's 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 another campground called the Orchard Campground. It's two kilometers away. There's no one around there. We were the only people down there because of the the rain that was the the weather man said that was going to happen, that was uh, predicted. So no one, there was only one guy hiked in during the day and he hiked out and his car was gone. So he just went for a day hike. That's the only person we saw there from the Thursday till the Saturday he left. And we got out at midday on a Saturday and we turned up at midday on the Thursday. So for those two days and nights, we never saw anything. And we heard that. And that's the second loud recording of her, of recorded a vocalization, as well as another one that sounded completely different. And that one, when you hear it, it doesn't waver like it's a dog or anything because the sound is strong from the whole way through, like something that had a big chest. This one's a bit different, but uh, it was really loud as well. But like I said, if I had the parabolic fish pointed that way, it would have been a lot clearer and you would have heard a lot more, you know, it would have been easier to hear. Um, but, yeah, it's just a place that just keeps on giving for me that I keep going back. No, that sounds awesome. Well, I I, I think now um, I would love to come up and, and check that spot out with you one day. That'd be cool. Mm. We're, we're going to try and get in by boat next time. Or if you do come up, we'll try and do it by boat so you can bring as much gear as you want. <laughs> How leisurely. That sounds lovely. Yeah, it'd be leisurely. It takes about an hour by boat to get there from because you've got to park your car up uh, around um, yeah, Hawkesbury River Way and then you've got to come in and you've got to do it while the tide's coming in. So by the time you get there, it's get your boat all the way into that area or it's a 7k hike and it's like probably about 6k that's pretty flat pretty easy to get along and then the last k is a bit sketchy going down the ridge it's not too bad it's one of the better hikes that i've done but um i've seen that i haven't hiked a bit for a while because I haven't had a backpack on my back for a while. Yeah, I did struggle getting back out. I, I, I won't lie about that. I was hurting when I got to the top of that trail. I, yeah, I was hurting. So I took a lot of gear. I actually had a backpack and I had a canvas bag that I was carrying as well. Yeah, it was a bit harder than what I thought. I need to get a bit fitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm I'm reasonably fit uh, myself, but that sounds a heavy pack and a canvas bag, 7Ks and the last K Maybe a bit difficult. That that's that doesn't sound like that easy a hike to me. <laughs> Although a little bit easier than some of the the Springbrook hikes that the boys do up in the, on the Gold Coast. Oh yeah, no, easier than easier than, than that because we just took a look. We hiked along and we stopped about every twenty minutes for you know, maybe a minute or two just to catch our breath, drink some water, and we were in no rush. So you could probably do that hike in three hours, and yeah, you know, we just kind of pushed it a bit at the end to get down because. I was we were carrying a bit of weight, and we actually had a trolley, and we had all the water in the little trolley, like you know, like the elderly, elderly <coughs> sorry, the elderly ladies have, you know, <laughs> like a shopping yeah. trolley. <laughs> yeah, we had shop, yeah, little trolley. <laughs> yeah, and we had all our water, so we had like five liters of water each, and that kind of lasted us all, all the way in. And while we we're there cooking, and I was having um, uh, yowie coffee in the percolator. So, um, yeah, <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, so that's, it's, it's one of the easier ones to hike in. There's, like I said, there's another trail called the Maramara Trail, but that's a lot harder. Loose sand, loose rocks, and you're going up and downhill all the way. So at least this one, three quarters of it is reasonably flat. There's no steps or anything. It's pretty good. Like That's why I took that amount of weight, because I knew I could take it 
and get in there. And I virtually used everything that I took and I needed it because it does get cold down there as well. It was um, like one degree or two degrees, but it is cold. And, you know, being a tent all most of the night, we had thermals and blankets and stuff like that. So beanies and balaclavas around the fire was pretty good. But once you walked a metre away, it got really cold. If you're lucky, Sarah, like we were, when we went down, there's orange trees that were planted way back in the 18, late 1880s. And there's still some of them there. And we actually had some oranges while we are down there. It's like you get down there in the wintertime, there's oranges down there at the moment. <laughs> That's they perfect. Really, they were really sweet, really sweet. So they were nice. But before I go, that area, and they, I, I looked up a bit of information. Kakadu and up there, all that area up the top of northern um, Australia, is has got the most rock carvings in Australia, but the most concentrated area of rock carvings of Ab- Aboriginal rock carvings is in that Hawkesbury, Patonga, around Maramara region, all around there. So there's rock carvings are everywhere there. So if you get, ever get to the area and you're doing a hike anywhere around there, when you see a, like the rock plateaus, you or rock little caves or overhangs, you'd probably find a carving in there. Oh, awesome. Awesome. I'm sure the listeners who live around the area, uh, or they might already know about them, but yeah, that sounds yeah. like an, a, a beautiful thing to be looking at at the same time as, as you're out Yowie tracking, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, one of the, I know a guy that lives up um, around Little Wobby Way, and one of the plans is to go um, from where he is up to Little Wobby and then try to get to the, or go to that near the Woi Woi tip. And spend a night oh, out there. Yes, where the, yeah. where the, the, the well-known sighting now of the old fire hands. Maybe um, we can just, maybe when you come up here, we can go there. Yes, that'd be awesome. I'd love maybe that. We just, maybe we do that because I've been, want, I've been wanting to do that. And, and um, what we might do is go up there and search the area during the daytime and find a place where we can camp and then go and hike in there and see what happens. That sounds bloody awesome, mate. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds fantastic. I don't think it's too hard to get in that area. Like you'll still be, you know, hiking a little bit, maybe go up and down a hill, but it's not too bad. Thank you so much for taking the time to catch up with me and share what you've been up to, Dan. I really appreciate it. Oh, that's uh, it's it's always good to tell people what's going on, and and um, they can hopefully they can get a chance to watch track. Oh, sorry, tracking the law. It's probably going to be out probably closer to Christmas around that time, maybe October, November, December, something, until it's at the last quarter of the year. So I'll, I'll let everybody know when it's when it's coming out and um, you just send me the details and I'll let everybody know. I uh, will do. But what I'll do in the meantime, I'll go up around that Woi Woi area and we'll have a look around and we'll find an area once I get in there and read all the information about all the different uh, sightings there and we'll pick a spot and that'll be a place for us to go. At least you can say, look, I've been to one of the AOIR hotspots that's had a sighting and um, I've been there and checked it out for myself. Oh, awesome. I've been to a few now, but I'd like to tick them all off. So that sounds like a, a fantastic plan, Dan. That'd be a journey if you're going to tick them all off. There's plenty of them. Yeah, that's, but that is very true. I reckon it'd yeah. be really cool to do a road trip around the country and just stop at every sighting. Um at, at, at every spot where there was a sighting, that would be an amazing road trip. Yeah, it, it, it's and you'd have to have some sort of encounter of sighting if you go into every hotspot or every encounter of sighting um, area in Australia. There's got to be something that would pop its head up. 
<laughs> Yowie Dan. Someone get that man a thong sponsorship ASAP. <laughs> I always love chatting with Dan. I'll play you I'll play you now the vocalization that Dan recorded at Maramara. Here goes. What did you think of that, people? It's that high-pitched vocalisation running across the top there. I don't know what else it could be. If anyone else has a clue as to what it might be, let me know. Don't forget, if you've experienced something strange and mysterious, I'd love to talk to you and the Yowie Central listeners would love to hear your story. Get in touch with me via yowiecentral at gmail.com or via the Yowie Central Facebook group. Well, that's all I've got for you today. Yowie Central will be back next Wednesday, so I'll catch you then. Stay safe and be good, or be good at it. Out in the cold, out in the dark, something's lurking at the edge of the park. People be warned, people beware, there's a storm on the rise and it's covered in hair. Hear him cry, hear him howl, looking for someone to disembowel. Claws like a hook, eyes like coal, feet so big they're gonna crush your soul. They call him Sasquatch. It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.